Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. Two. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Brooks attacking Gobert to the rack. Goes up. Blocked by Rudy. Hubris is not your friend. Conley, left-hand drive in the lane, kicks out. Donovan's first shot of the night. I don't think I need to tell you. It was good. Donovan working Brooks at the top, comes off a favors pick, pulls into Body three, contact. gets fouled and hits. Oh, and he's high-stepping back the other way. Clapping, fired up. Kyle Anderson strips it. Push ahead to Brooks. Fast break to the basket. Over the top of Do- Mike Conley, and that's a charge. Mike Conley has done it all. 141 points by the Jazz tonight. The most ever in franchise history. This is the number one defense versus the number seven defense in the NBA. And the series is tied at one game apiece. It is. 141 to 129. Um Offense ruled the day. Uh, there's a, num- a number of different way, uh, places that we can start here, Gordon. I will defer to you. What uh, What is the first storyline, or what are you taking first off the list uh, from that game last night? Oh, I, I think you got to go to Bogdanovich's three turnovers. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> it was... It was... <laughs> It's an ongoing joke, folks. It is an it's... ongoing joke. And and you know what? Gordon and I watched the game together yesterday, <laughs> and we just took barb shots back and forth, depending on who did oh, what. Where else would you in start? The game. <laughs> was there something else going on? <laughs> that was it. That was the, the biggest part of the game. Well, That's funny. You mentioned you mentioned the most, uh, I guess, the, the most significant part of what happened in the game last night, a whole lot of offense. And then, of course, the return of Donovan Mitchell was, which was the, the you know the main storyline, and both turned out well in favor of the Jazz. I mean, uh, Donovan Mitchell at times looked like he hadn't missed anything, and uh, going five of ten from three was really impressive to me. That he had that kind of touch after not being in a game for forty days, and he was he was able to pick that up. Can I throw uh, in a, a controversial hot take yeah. on that note? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing when a team is much better when its best player plays? <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that isn't that really something? It is really something. And, and just to add to that, like the like the spacing and the passing and the uh, you know, you could make a laundry list of things that were just better as a result of Donovan being back in the lineup, even if he only played 26 minutes. Right. And so not only does what he does individually that is uh, quantifiable uh, a big deal, but the effect, the overall effect he has both on his teammates and on the the uh, opposition. Sure. And all of that turned into Jazz's favor. And I think a large measure of credit goes to Donovan Mitchell for being there. And then his teammates – I mean, they shot 54%, nearly 50% from three. That's everybody joining together and lifting one another. And Donovan Mitchell's presence was a big part of that. I believe in that kind of stuff. I know some people think it's hocus-pocus. I believe in it. I think I believe in it from an emotional standpoint, and I believe in it from a physical standpoint, or what actually takes place on the court. And that Donovan's presence had a huge effect on what was going on. And and then the other, got to give the rest of the guys credit because they stepped up. 
They stepped up. Rudy Gobert was was really good at times. I mean, he was getting pushed around a little bit at times by Valanciunas. Oh, I thought Rudy was amazing he, last he, night. He was at 13 rebounds, four blocks, and 21 points. And those points came uh, at, a, at an important uh, over an important period for the Jazz as uh, as Memphis. I don't know what got into them in the third quarter, but uh, you would have thought the Jazz were playing the greatest team in the history of the NBA. Two thoughts on that real quick, and I'm glad this is kind of where you've steered uh, the conversation because it was not only when Rudy got those scores, it was how With Rudy. Force. Oh, dunk in your face, Rudy, which yeah. I, you know, sitting here watching these games uh, uh, all year long, as, as Tim Lacombe can attest, and, and you can too, Gordon, every time he does that, it's like, okay, he needs to do that all the time yeah. because he is a big, strong dude whose hands are getting better by the day, and I feel like he can do that more. So I thought that was important to know. And, and one a little aside with that, yeah. that one dunk that he had, you have oftentimes brought up the idea, how will Rudy do when there's a defender between him and the basket? On that one two-handed dunk he had, there were two guys there. They yep. were off to the side a yep. little bit, but they were right there in the neighborhood. But he found the angle. And Rudy yeah. came right through him mm-hmm. and just dunked with a vengeance. And that lifted the whole team. Not only was it the two points, okay, so you can count it up, but it was also the way he did it yep. and the way the guys then responded to that. Cool stuff. I Even though he makes a lot of them, I, I still kind of wince a little bit when I see the fancy pants layup. It's like if, there, if there's a guy between you and the basket, make him make a decision. You're either going to put him on Sports Center by dunking in his face, or he's going to foul you. And since they're inside the restricted area, those are the only two choices of the defender. And he needs to force that issue as much as possible. Quickly on your third quarter note, because that was really something. Memphis yeah. scored eight, or excuse me, fifteen possessions in a row. I mean, they. How often do you see they that? They came out ready to roll and focused, and and we'll get to defense today because that was a big part of the story. But Rudy at the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter, made play after play stemming that tide. And that was some tide. I and mean, how about giving some of the guys who are feeding them the ball credit, too? But I'm, I'm talking defensively. I mean, oh, he, made okay. pl- he made play after play. And, you know, John Morant's a, a, a difficult one to talk about, Gordon, because he got wherever he wanted to go on the floor. And you, you can't put Rudy on jaw one-on-one. So you can't put the entire onus on Rudy Gobert. So that begs the question, what is what is the solution with John Morant? And I I don't know. I don't know that there there is a good one because and here's what concerns me, Gordon. This was my big talking point yesterday, mm-hmm. talking about what are the Jazz gonna do when Donovan Mitchell coming back changes a lot of things, but it doesn't change that. And they're going to have to figure that out at some point in the series. And I thought, okay, we'll see an adjustment to game two. And it got worse. Yes. Like, way worse. And the Jazz scored a ton of points. They they outscored them. But at some point in this series, they're going to have to figure out something. I mean, you you got to keep them under 40. Well, you can't shoot 50% (laughs) of 49% and 54% from the floor. But why did he, though? Because he got anywhere he wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, look, but at, I'm he t- got but it I'm talking his... about the Jazz and okay. countering what John Morant was doing. Okay, I see what you're and saying. And they Excuse tried me. to foul him. Uh, I don't know if they were trying to, but they were fouling him. He took 23 throws last night. How often does that happen? Well, see, and that's way out of that. That's way out of character for the Jazz defense. That's not how they've earned their reps, so to speak. But it was almost out of desperation. They had to try and do something, and they were trying to. 
crowd him. They were trying to bump him. They were do anything because he made it look so easy when they didn't. But it, there's nothing easier than hitting 15 or 20 from the, from the line. So I they need to figure out something. That's going to be that's going to be an issue going forward in a in a seven game series. I think the Jazz can keep the fireworks going. Maybe not score 141, which by the way is a playoff franchise record. Yes. You know, but I think with Mitchell back the offense should um should be just fine, but at some point at some point they're going to have to get stops cuz this is the playoffs and at some point you always have to get stops. Well, yeah, I mean, those celebratory moments for a guy like Dylan Brooks. Uh, look what I just did. Uh, yeah, but we got it coming right back at you, is what the Jazz were saying. And that's exactly what they did. After they got <laughs> they got just whipped up in the third quarter, they outscored the Grizzlies in the fourth and, and preserved their victory. But if they had start, started missing shots... Uh, They've been in real trouble. That game could have turned around in a a way that, you know, both teams shot the ball really well. So we'll see if the Jazz can keep that up. I've heard some people say, ah, see what happens when the Jazz are full and complete and connected again. The the Grizzlies can't stay up with them uh, at their own offensive end. But I don't know. Some of those shots they were making look pretty easy. So the Grizzlies' 129 points is actually a franchise high for opponents' points scored in the playoffs in a win. So what I said about the Jazz's defense before this series started, namely that uh, Rudy Gobert is really good and everybody else is kind of just sort of average, uh, and people looked at that fourth-rated defense in the NBA as though it was a real accomplishment, Um, I— I, I think that these vulnerabilities are 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 cropping up, and I, I don't I don't see an answer. Uh, Quinn Snyder is really smart at devising strategies, but what do you do when a guy is too quick or too big for whoever you're putting on him? What do you do? Well, what can you do? I mean, double him, triple him? Well, I hate to say this, Gordon, but. You got to do something, and you can only play the hand that you're dealt. And if you're Quinn Snyder, you've been put in your position for just these such of occasions. You got to go out there and tape it together, figure it out. And and I don't know what that is, Gordon. I you know maybe they go with remember the night that uh, the Trey Young uh, for when the Hawks were in town and he only had three points on that night that you'd bet he'd go for 50. And, and <laughs> I, I don't, was 40 I, I don't, <laughs> I don't bring up that game just to have a laugh over that. But, uh, remember what they did that night? They, they doubled him as soon as he crossed half court and made him give up the ball and then denied him for the rest of the entire possession. You know, I don't, maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's, it's really dropping back. Although he hit some threes last night, which, which makes that tough when you go under on the pick and roll. I, I'm not so sure, but I know that they don't have uh, anybody athletic enough to stay in front of them. Yeah. And so, so you, but you got to figure it out because you're not just going to say, you know what, Memphis have the series, go right ahead. We got nothing for you. That's not, that's not an option. Part of the problem is that you've got – it's not just him. Brooks was obviously capable last night. Valanchunas had some moments. And so it's not like you can desert everybody else in order to build a wall around Morant. Yeah, there's no perfect perfect solution. But but I I really think what you said is right. Uh, It's worth the gamble. 
to try to try. Some people say let the star player get what he's going to get and limit everybody else. I think in this case they have to they have to jam up John Morant in a way that uh, knocks him off his stride a little bit. And and then if somebody else scores twenty five or twenty, so be it. Uh, so be it. Yeah. Um, I still am not convinced what we're seeing from Dylan Brooks is real, but the joke may be on me on that one because he's had two real. two good games in a row. So, but I I would take my chances with somebody like Dylan Brooks over John Morant. Yeah, but Jonas Val- Valanciunas makes them unique too because he's a whole different problem to deal with, and in this case, he takes the focus of your defensive player of the year. Yeah. So I who mean, you're counting it, on to cover everybody else when you can't. And Derek Favors is a fine player in the preamble. But when Rudy goes off the floor, the other team takes big-time advantage of it, and that includes Valanchunas, who, who really is just too big for Derek Favors. Did you say that Favors is a nice guy? Well, we joked about how everybody makes that point, and they always put the preamble of he's a, he's a fine player, but he's not Rudy Gobert, right, right. you know, because nobody wants to come at and Derek, yet inclu- was- including me. But Jonas Valanciunas is huge. Yes, he is, and he took advantage of Derek. And he's, and he's physical. Knows how to use those elbows. Yeah. But, see, when he comes off the floor, the Jazz feast, you know, so they've got their problems too, right? John Morant played the whole second half. So, when you can't sub, that doesn't work really well in a seven-game series. Where's Tony Bradley when you need him? Yeah, don't the Jazz know that? When you can't <laughs> sub, it's tough. It's it's tough to to get your guys and go, you know what? We're going to need you to play the whole game. <laughs> Look down the bench. Look what's down there. It's not you. It's not even close. We're going to need you to play. It's well, called the the Tom Thibodeau strategy. <laughs> it's called playoff basketball. That's what it is. Yeah, you shorten the rotation. You you certainly do. And that uh, to bring this conversation full circle, that is another thing where the Jazz benefit from having Donovan Mitchell back is everybody goes back to their chosen role mm-hmm. and everybody's playing the right amount of minutes eventually because Donovan only played twenty six last night and you don't have to dip down to. Mieoni and Trent Forrest and these guys who are just not playoff rotational players yet. It's just they're just not there. And uh, whereas the rest of the rotation has experience and has come through for the Jazz at various times. What did you think when uh, Donovan Mitchell went out for that uh, spell before he came back midway through the fourth? Oh, I thought what everybody else did. You know, you think, oh man, hope he didn't, hope he didn't tweak it. But apparently he was just keeping it warm. At least that's what he's saying. Oh. He well, came in and finished the game. He did, and that was uh, encouraging for the Jazz. So we'll see where it goes from here, man. Memphis is good. We How many times when we were watching the game last night did we say that to each yeah, other? Yeah, they're good. I they're mean, well coached. This is a good young team. Yep. And they know how to play. And and they don't they don't shrink away. I mean, it, it isn't. Watch out for the Memphis Grizzlies over the next five years. And I think you mentioned it yesterday, Jake. That they need they need another piece, maybe a strong a couple, piece. Mm-hmm. But, maybe a veteran. But yeah, but but they they have they have some very nice players and uh, one very difficult, almost impossible to guard guy. Well, like we said, if he ever gets into the high 30s from three, 
look out. Yeah. I mean, and and what I mean by that, last night, Gordon, we saw him when the Jazz went under on the screens, can a couple of threes. It's mm-hmm. there. It is. It's there. So if he's got uh, the work ethic and gets the right coaching, I mean, he, whew, sky's the limit. However, keep an eye, because think about, as well as the Jazz played offensively last night, think about how good they're going to be when Bogey stops turning the ball over. Unstoppable. Yeah. Because because when that happens, they're gonna go they're gonna score hundred and sixty. Look out. <laughs> All right, uh let's get out to the zone see from. The coach. Hey, oh, coach, he's dribbling. He's dribbling. He's looking for someone to pass to. Pokey had a good game last I night. I'm, I'm kidding. You. I'm he's, kidding. He's, he's the only one who's had a good series so far. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> That might be my new favorite drop. <laughs> Every good movie made last night, Jake looks over at me. He's no good, is he? Like I said, we were trading jabs back and forth. Yeah, I thought well. it was a bit of fun. I actually thought we had a lot of fun watching the game uh, last night. Well, you mixed him in too. Yeah, was, yeah. And, and Scotty was in. Watching, yeah, we had game. a we had a fun group watching mm-hmm. the games. That was uh, that was great. All right, Gordon, uh, some some college football uh, news. Uh, a couple of different things. First of all, we have some game times. Specifically, we have a game time for the BYU Utah game on September 11th in Provo. Have you seen the game time yet? I have the schedule here, but I haven't looked at the time. Scotty, uh, Scotty did this on his show. You haven't looked at it? No. He did this with hands. I thought it was okay. kind of funny. Over under the start time, seven thirty. Is it later or earlier? Later. Austin, have you seen it? No. Later or earlier than seven thirty. BYU Utah game Saturday, September eleventh. Later. Yeah, it's later. How? Nine thirty. Eight fifteen. So it's <laughs> not in the afternoons anymore. So it is not nine thirty. Still late. Still late. Well, at least in September, it's a little nicer out. It's going to be on ESPN. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's not like an eight fifteen start. And if it says eight fifteen, it really means probably eight thirty, which is true. I just i i the the late starts are problematic in my opinion for a variety of reasons, not just weather related. It's unfair to the fans. It's unfair to the fans. I I know the coaches hate it because they have to keep their team. <laughs> occupied for the entire day. They'd rather get up, eat, warm up, play, as opposed to, you know, fart around at the hotel all day. You know what it reminds me of? It re- and, and it reminds me of racehorses who are, uh, you know, keyed up to run, and they got to load them into the gate, and they're all amped up, and some of them are jumping around and kicking and whatnot. Yeah, they're, they want to play. They want to get going. Uh, how about while we're young? And but it's really bad for the fans. But you know nobody cares about the fans. No, they don't because the fans, for the most part, continue to show up. At least in Utah's case, and BYU's for that matter. I think it's inconvenient for them when you think about the distance some fans travel to go to those games and. Plus, you got to get out of the place afterward, and that takes a long time sometimes. And and then and then folks got to drive a you know a considerable way to get back home. Well, if the game kicks at let's say eight thirty, 
then it's going to be over, what, 12? Midnight. Mm-hmm. And you got a traffic jam. And you get, you know, you get home at 2 in the morning. Maybe later, depending upon where you live. So we found out some other game times, although not very many. We found out some uh, networks uh, when it comes to Utah as well. Uh, let's see, the game against San Diego State on September the 18th. Gordon is going to be at 5 p.m., so that's nice, yeah. on CBS Sports Network. Uh, let's are there see any games at 1 p.m.? We don't know yet. Um, the vast majority we are, are TBD. We know the game November 5th is going to be on FS1 against Stanford at 8.30. That's a good and time to start a football game. That's pretty much it. I'd rather have 10 a.m. Oh, way rather have 10 a.m. Coaches would, too. I bet bet fans would, although not the fans that really like to get tuned up at the tailgate, I suppose. (laughs) They'd like like a little extra time the night before. I suppose. So um, uh, Then the other piece of college football news, uh, Rice-Eccles Stadium is going to be a full-bore attendance. BYU announced uh, the same the other day, and it looks like everybody's planning – Gordon, for a uh, a normal fall and getting fans back in the stands watching college football in this state again. Everybody get vaccinated. Everybody can load in there, and we can go back to normal. We have your permission. Have you ever gotten tuned up, as you said, uh, before a football game as a fan? Uh, I have, yeah. And did you enjoy the football experience better or worse? Way better. Really? Can you keep track of what's going on? I'm not. Uh, I'm not on acid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can keep track of what's going on. Like, like how, how, uh, how, how far gone were you? I don't know. I, I was fine. I wasn't uh, like. I mean, could you keep track of what was going on on the? Yes, on the of course. Again, I'm not like <laughs> vomiting in the stands, but it, you have a few beers in the tailgate before going in. Yeah, it, it improves the experience. Okay. I'm just for checking. You? I uh, no. No. I've never done that. Never done that. It's an entirely different experience, I'll tell you that, than sitting in a, a dusty old, old press box, press box uh, minding my own business. It's an entirely different experience there. I always get a kick out of people when they're heading into the press box. They say, "Have have a good time. Have a good time." Uh, that that's like somebody saying. Uh, when when you're picking up your hammer, your pick to head into the salt mine, have a good time. I love it how you always like to compare your occupation to salt mining for some reason, as <laughs> if like the 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 amount of labor that goes into both is is somehow comparable. Come on, I'm going for sympathy here. Knock it off. Will you sorry, drink? sorry. Did I, no, I didn't mean to point that out? I, I, we love what we do. We do. We do. There's a reason I didn't become a miner. Some people, that's their career. I know. And they are tougher, uh, more disciplined people than I. Yes, they are. That's a fact. Yeah. So, you know, whatever time, at least it's football. We can go watch football again. And fans can enjoy themselves and and, and feel that bit of normalcy back. And uh, if the last year, tragic as it has been for some families, for those who have made it through, uh, you know, maybe maybe the appreciation for what they can quote unquote normally do will be greater. Well, here, here, 
I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think that's part of the reason the, this building was had a little extra juice to it over the mm. past uh, couple of Good playoff point. games. Yep. I think people are, are excited, uh, appreciating it more. A lot more straight ahead. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.